The past 18 months have been extremely busy for Jeff Coffin, musician, composer, and artist. In early 2005, Coffin released an epic new album, Bloom, as leader of the Mutet, a shifting group of world-class musicians. Bloom features Coffin's original works influenced by a range of musical styles, including New Orleans groove, Moroccan beats, and a children's choir. Coffin's main gig is as saxophonist with a Grammy award-winning Bella Fleck in the Flecktones, an eclectic jazz fusion acoustic group. Now back on tour, the Flecktones released its 13th album, The Hidden Land, this year. During a recent concert stop at the Los Angeles Wiltern Theater, Coffin spoke candidly with Yamaha's Kurt Witt about his musical transformations, including his current tour, recent albums, inspirations, educational clinic work, and Yamaha saxophones. For more information about Jeff Coffin, including his tour dates and clinic schedule, visit www.jeffcoffin.com. For more information about the Flectones, visit www.flectones.com. I'm here today at the Wiltern Theater, Los Angeles, California, sitting with Jeff Coffin in the green room before the concert tonight. Jeff, you guys have been out on the road uh, half a year now, on and off. Mm -hmm. The Flectones took last year off, right. uh, now back in 2006 with a new record. Uh, and out on tour. How's it going so far? Great so far. Great so far. Uh, we're in the middle of the uh, Acoustic Planet tour right now, which is a combination of different bands with us that we started a couple years ago. Having the year off was great, but it's you know it's really great to be back with everybody. You know it's kind of a little breather in the midst of things, and uh, it's it's been really nice. You know we just finished uh, doing a show at Bonnaroo. We just finished uh, uh, Wakarusa also out in Kansas. Uh, Telluride Bluegrass Festival. We've got. Uh, uh, some other festivals coming up also during the summer, and uh, it's it's been really nice, man. The the uh, there's been a lot of appreciation, uh, you know, after the year off for you know not only us with each other, but also with the audience with us too. So it's been very nice. Was it nice to have kind of a a mental break of being off the road for a year and to come kind of come back to it recharged? Yeah, well, we all had different projects we were doing. None of us was static, of course, during the year off. Um, but yeah, it's been great, and and one of the one of the really nice things was that because we know each other's playing so well, when we came back at the beginning of the year, it was really interesting to hear how everybody had improved. You know, being able to really hear different ideas and, and, and different parts of their playing that had been, there had been a lot of growth with everybody, I think, because uh, of the, all the different things we did in the year off. And an exciting opportunity to take a year away from something and then come back and to, you know, to hear how it's changed. and. Improved. How yeah. long did it take the, after the first downbeat to feel like it was, you know, stepping back into your old shoes again? It locked in pretty quick. You know, we had a couple of days of rehearsal, and then uh, we went right on jam cruise at the beginning of the year, and uh, we just took off from there. philosophy of music that I have that everything continually is changing and, and morphing 
I made a real conscious decision a number of years back to, to kind of broaden my palette uh, with people that I play with. I wanted to kind of reach outside of, of Nashville where, uh, where all the Flectones live, um, and I've been there for about 15 years, but to reach outside of that community also and to have a familiarity with other musicians. It's kind of like putting on an old pair of shoes, you know, kind of fit right back in. And so I feel like I have that with a lot of musicians, and a lot of those musicians were the ones that I, I brought in for Bloom guys that I play with in town and also guys like Jeff Sype and Chris Thiele, uh, DJ Logic, all the Flectones are on there, uh, Vic Wooten, uh, Future Man and Bela. I've got a children's choir from the W.O. Smith Community Music School, which is in Nashville, you know, mandolin player Chris Thiele. I've got uh, Joe Murphy playing tuba, outrageous tuba on a couple of tunes, Pat Bergeson on guitar, Derek Jones, uh, who's now playing with Cirque du Soleil out in Vegas uh, on, on bass on some of the stuff too. Some other horn players that are in Nashville, Johnny Neal also on B3 and, and Tyler Wood playing uh, piano on B3 on a bunch of stuff. Now the, the album doesn't necessarily sound like say a solo project, but there's not a ton of Jeff Coffin solos on it. It's really a group record, which I think is amazing. For me, there's plenty of me on there. And one of the things also is I do a lot of composition, and all those compositions are mine. I love to, to hear what the musicians bring to the table uh, when, they, when they play other people's music and other people's compositions. And, it's, um, it's very different than my other records. It's, I think that this record is probably, it's a personification of, of who I am as a composer and a musician and an improviser, um, more so than anything I've ever done. Uh, I did all the photography on the record also. I had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of input into it. And, and I was very happy with the way that it came out. I was very happy with the way that everybody played on it. And I'm very, very proud of it. Very proud of it. It sounds like from what I've read, the. Uh the critical response to it has been very, very positive. Yeah, it's been nice. You know, I, obviously, you know, musicians don't write for critics and they don't play for critics, but seemingly across the board, it's it's been pretty well accepted. We have to play and we have to write for the music. And if, if people want to come along for the ride, that's great. You know, but it's it's really about that journey and that search. It's not about necessarily the actual product that comes out of it. It's about the search that leads up to that and, and past it even. on the CD is the piece with the DJ Logic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's really a, a departure. It really stands out on the recording as really innovative and unique approach to taking yeah. what we hear as a musical line and evolving that. Right. How did all that come about? Oh, is it Hatim? Is that yes. the one? Yes. Yeah, that was, um, that was a really fun tune because that was uh, a guy named Officer Fish Dumplings. Uh, down in Austin, Texas, who, who basically remixed this tune. I had come up with an idea for a tune. That's the one that Kirk Whalem is on also. He and I kind of collaborated and, and he said, well, you know, what kind of vibe are you looking for? And I said, well, he says, I'm really heavily into like North African music and Moroccan music. And it so happens that he's from Morocco, right? He's like, I think I know exactly what you're looking for. So that's where the kalimba part comes from. All that from stuff, and, yeah. And Bela's uh, playing on that also. And, and uh, um, he sounds almost like a koro or even a kalimba on parts of it. And, and so that, that tune came out great. That's that's one of the standout tracks for me also. And, and uh, he and I have spoken about possibly trying to collaborate some more in the future, which I would really like.
different projects. You've been active as an artist and clinician this mm -hmm. past year. I know something yep. you've been wanting to get going for a number of years. Tell me about what that's like going out to colleges and high schools around the country talking about music and talking about mm -hmm. jazz. Yeah, it's profound. I've had some of the most profound musical experiences of my life teaching. One of the things that I that I do with students, usually I've got a couple of big band charts that I've had um, made up by Brett Savacek, a great trombonist, uh, teaches up at Potsdam University. I'll go in and I'll do these charts with these kids, and they're kind of New Orleans, kind of funky, kind of second line stuff. And to get these kids improvising for the first time, some of them for the first time, is a really profound thing to to be a part of and to experience. And trying to bring the spirit of the music to it, I talk to them a lot about kind of what they're bringing to it. Steve Marcus was a very, very wonderful saxophonist. Played with Buddy Rich for about 25 years. Passed away last fall, and we had done a clinic together out at the school in Utah. Also, it was him, myself, and Greg Osby during this festival. And somebody asked us one time. And this is something I share with with the students also they said what do you think about when you improvise we talked about it a little bit and then it was steve's turn you kind of get this faraway look in his eye and he's like he says well he says improvisation to me is like a garden my garden he says is full of beautiful things flowers that are blooming and fruits that are ripe and vegetables that are really thriving and green plants and trees with fruit on them and and you know butterflies and all all this different stuff he says so my garden is alive the dirt is is almost black it's so rich and it sticks to your hands when you stick them in the ground he says and i can take people on a journey through my garden when I improvise, and he says, and that's what I think about. And so this is something that I talk to the kids about too, you know, sharing these these tidbits that I've learned from other people as well. And so I asked them, I said, you know, what's in your garden? What do you want to present as musicians and as people and as artists? We talk a lot about listening also. I have a, a clinic that I do that's that's almost strictly on listening and how to become a better listener. And a lot of times what I find is that that a lot of a lot of the music that I present to them, a lot of the concepts I present to them they haven't been presented before. And what these kids pull out of the music, like I don't give them any answers, I ask them the questions. So I'm just a catalyst for it. But the stuff they bring out is just amazing. They start hearing all this stuff, and I start with Coleman Hawkins and go through the line, you know, and and uh, and really get them to understand how to become better listeners. Again, you know, doing <clears throat> doing these concerts, you know, I've I've had the entire I did a concert up in Wisconsin, for example, at this college, and they have two big bands up there. And at the end of the night, we did a, a tune called Move Your Rug, and it's the processional on Bloom. And by the end of that tune, the entire two big bands were in the audience playing and people are up clapping it was like a big new orleans revival kind of thing and the place was going ballistic man it was beautiful and and you know and you could just see the the spirit of the music really caught hold of the musicians and i've had these experiences everywhere i've taught bar none you know i mean being able to go in i feel incredibly fortunate because i feel like i'm a good teacher also to be able to be a catalyst to bring stuff out of these kids because i'm very passionate about it too you know and i'm very uh, my method of teaching is very encouraging. It's really meant to, to allow them to have, have an experience, have an aesthetic experience with the music, and to be able to come out of it and go, wow, that was really different than anything I've ever done before. And so, you know, they come up with their eyes are all kind of bugged out and they're really freaked out going, wow, that was just amazing, you know. And, and I have parents that email me sometimes and, and students that email me and directors. And, and so it's, it's been a very profound experience and, and really wonderful. You bring such a wealth of experiences both in the Nashville studios to, mm -hmm. you know, your own projects with the Mutet to the Flectones and the, the grind of the road. Yeah, living the dream. That right. few saxophonists <laughs> will ever experience. Um, your, your stories to the kids must just be awe-inspiring. There's some good ones, yeah. There's some good ones. I did a, a really fun thing out at this uh, 
uh, music school in, in Utah last year. I had done this festival where I had met Steve Marcus and Osby and those guys, and, and they invited me back to do their camp last summer. And uh, Chester Thompson, the, the great drummer from Weather Report and Genesis, and Frank Zappa was out also, who lives in Nashville. And uh, um, Mark Soskin was also out there, a piano player who played with Sonny Rollins, and uh, played with Sonny for like 15 years, and Joe Henderson. And, and so we had this class that we actually called Live in the Dream, and, and the whole thing was it was all stories. But yeah, it's only been in the last few years where I've really felt like like I'm qualified or, or, or have enough that I can share uh, to be able to go into the schools and, and, and really give that back to the kids also. Is that clinic work and teaching and working with kids as a soloist kind of the next generation of your evolution as a musician and as a composer? Yeah, I would say so. I think that's a big part of it, you know. Um, I've always enjoyed teaching. I've always uh, been very fortunate to have some great teachers in my life. And I really think that, you know, I've thought about this for a long time, is that we kind of borrow the information for a while. And at a, at a certain point, you know, I had, I had done a lot of private teaching already, but I knew that at a certain point I wanted to get out and start doing more in the schools also. Uh, because I want to be able to reach more kids. And I feel like sometimes when, when you have somebody come in who's from a group that's popular like the Flectones, we have an advantage because immediately they kind of go, wow, there's kind of almost like somebody that I know who they are. It's, it's kind of like out of their realm almost. I, I mean, I hesitate to use the word famous because I don't really think of it that way. But to them, I guess it kind of is a little bit. You know, there's a, uh, there's a fame element there. You know, when you talk about, you know, winning a Grammy Award or, um, you know, playing these different festivals or these different concerts they've come to or, or, or whatever, there's, uh, there's a certain credibility, I guess you might say, when I walk into the room in one of these things. But I show them I show them a tremendous amount of respect, too. I don't ever talk down to them. I expect huge amounts from them because I know they can do it. It's a matter of encouraging them to bring forth that spirit that they all have in them anyway. The thing that drew them to music, you know, to bring that out of them, to encourage it and go, I don't care if you're making mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes every night. You know, there's never been a gig I've played that I haven't made a lot of mistakes. But the thing is, is like, you can't give the past that much power. You have to move on and you have to be able to, to let it go and bring forth that musical spirit in, in what you're playing. And, and like I said, you know, I've, I've had some of the most profound musical experiences of my life teaching, and it's been a wonderful thing. And it was great because I was just kind of sitting back listening to these guys talk, you know, like, like listening to Chester talk about Weather Report or Frank Zappa or... You know, listen to Mark talk about, he's on that saxophone Colossus video with Sonny Rollins and how when Sonny jumped off the side of it and broke his ankle, you know, they were all like, oh my God, what happened to Sonny? And then he starts playing, he says, we all ran back to our seats and we kept playing and didn't see Sonny for like two hours, man, until until after the show was over. You know, then they had to wheel him off to the hospital because he had broken his ankle jumping off the stage. And so, you know, I was like a kid in a candy store, man, hearing all these, all these amazing stories and, and being able to share some of my own too, of course. years, five years, the alto, mm -hmm. um, 
for three or four years. Yep. What do you say when people come up and ask you what brand you play and you say, I play Yamaha, and then they're surprised, aren't they? They are surprised because both of my horns uh, are unlacquered. Invariably, people come up and they say, wow, man, those are some old horns, huh? And I went, well, not really. I said, they're under five years old. They're like, oh, no way, man. And, or they'll come up and go, hey, is that an old six you're playing? And I'll be like, nope. It's, you know, it's a, the tenor is a Yamaha prototype. Uh, I call it my Frankenhorn. And, uh, and, and the alto is, is one of the Zs. They're usually, I don't want to say astonished, but they're always very surprised that they're not Selmers, you know. And, uh, and they say, well, you know, tell me about them. And, I, and they're great horns, man. I, the tenor just keeps getting better and better and better all the way through. It's the best horn I've played, man. It really is. And, and it's got... It's got such a wide range that I can do with it also. You know, I mean, everything from going into like a Stan Getz or, or Ben Webster or Coleman Hawkins, Lester Young vibe, all the way through some really contemporary stuff. I use a lot of pedals also. And the altissimo on it is incredible. You know, people play the horn and they're like, this is ridiculous, you know. It's probably a, a, a great trial for the horn. You play on the road. 200 nights a year, yep. sessions in Nashville, you really have to do everything with one instrument, yep. and it has to be able to stand up to everything you can give it, and your experiences so far sound like they've been very positive. They have, yeah. I mean, the horn has is, is really stood the test of time very well. And that horn, you know, there's been a lot of really great musicians that have tried that horn also when they were first going around, when you guys were first getting the Z-Line together and you'd build these prototypes. One of the things that, that really knocked me out, and this is this is one of the things that I tell a lot of people also, is that when you guys came to me, I was playing Selmers, and, and I really wasn't interested in switching over. And, and you know, you, say, you guys said, well, you know, try the horns and at least tell us, you know, some things to work on and improve on them. When I played them, I was really surprised. I was like, wow, I think you guys are really onto something. And, and my reply to the lacquered horns was, what if you unlacquered them? What if you really let the metal breathe and expand? And I think it was maybe a month later, I think you called me, we were coming up to Grand Rapids with the Flectones, and you said, oh, we dipped four of the horns for you to try. And I'm, I'm on the phone, I'm like, you, you did what? He said, oh, we, you know, we were talking last time about dipping them, and you know, we thought, well, what the heck, you know, some guys might want to try them like this. So we went ahead and we dipped these horns, and I was knocked out, man. I was really knocked out that you guys would actually take that step. I was like, okay, these guys mean business. And then when I, when I played the unlacquered horns, the one that I'm playing now was one of the four I tried. It's you may a not remember phenomenal this, horn, man. but you may not remember this, but it actually was in this building was the first time you tried Here? The, the prototypes. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. I, it, this was maybe five years ago. I wow. flew out here with the to to meet with a number of LA players, and you guys happened to be on tour, and we yeah. wanted to to definitely show you the horns. It actually was in the room right behind us. You and uh, Bela sat for maybe half an hour playing the horns, oh, right, and Bela right, and I right, listening right. to uh, uh, to them. And then the one you I liked, I was here. the one you liked, we unlacquered. And, wow. Uh, Thing. That's wild. So it's come full circle yeah, to right, the, uh, right. the Wiltern Theater. Well, like you were saying too, you know, I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of really wide-ranged things as well, and, and uh, you know, the diversity of, of the instrument to me is is the biggest thing. You know, the character of the instrument also, and this one to me is full of character. It's full of life and character and, and wonderful tones. And I put it through the ringer, man. 
you know, uh, on the year off also I did some uh, some trio gigs with Mike Clark, the drummer from the Headhunters, and Robert Walter on B3. So some real funky, just like high voltage kind of stuff, and I did a record with a great keyboardist out here in L.A. named Jeff Babco and a legendary drummer, Vinnie Kaliuta, as well. So there's, you know, I've, I've had a lot of experiences with this horn and, and really, like I said, really put it through the ringer. It's fantastic. I mean, I, really, I, I can't say enough about it. I, I mean that with all sincerity. You know, I, I really do, man. It's been a great horn, and, and the people that that play it are just stunned. You know, a lot of the guys in Nashville now have gotten these horns, and uh, I think the majority of the guys, you know, after they played mine, they were like, "Holy smokes, man!" It's like, "Yeah," I said, "Yamaha just replaced the Mark VI." Flectones project and the next Mutet project and yeah. really um, planning those out. Uh, anything you can share with us? It's totally in the thinking stages at this point. With the Mutet stuff, I do a lot of composition also, and so I've got I've got plenty of tunes, man. I've got enough tunes for two or three records right now. And so I'm just kind of waiting for the right moment in time that finding the time, finding the time, and, and finding the the right group of tunes for the for the next batch that I want to put out there. I want to do an acoustic record soon also, but I've been doing a lot of writing. And some some kind of different stuff, you know. I've been talking to a couple of people also about doing almost a uh, almost a Gil Evans-ish kind of thing uh, with a small group like that, you know, like a few few horn players, and just really be able to get into some different instrumentation, kind of work out some really interesting, colorful voicings and that kind of thing. So there's a couple of different projects that I want to do. But the Flectones thing, you know, we just had a record come out in February of this year called The Hidden Land, and there's a cool DVD on the other side too, like a mockumentary kind of thing that's really really funny. The Yamaha Barry gets a lot of action in that. Let's just put it that way. You know, it'll probably be a year or so before we record again with the Flectones. Um, but we've just started working on some new material also. There's a brand new thing that, that we just debuted last night. You know, we all write all the time. Everybody's really busy, so it's a matter of finding the time during the sound checks and whatnot to, to bring that stuff forth. How can people who are interested in learning more about you and your projects and the Flectones, how can they find out more information? Online, the Flectone site is flectones.com, F-L-E-C-K-T-O-N-E-S.com, and my site is jeffcoffin.com. And there's a lot of information that's out there. There's uh, a bunch of stuff on my site. There's an education page also. If people are interested in, in, uh, in talking to me about clinics, there's a, a bunch of testimonials on there from places I've been to also. Uh, the whole record is uh, is up there on my MP3 player also. Uh, there's snippets of other records, my uh, my two other Compass re uh, record releases, Commonality and Go Round. On the Flectone site, the, the site is just about to be completely revamped. I've got a lot of my, my photographs on my site also. It's all kind of based around these photographs that I've taken. And Beautiful colors on there. The yeah, thank blues you. Blues and the yellows. Yeah, and yeah really, I know. It really knocks really me out too, man. So really jeffcoffin.com and yeah. flectones.com. The yep. Flectones music is for sale on iTunes as well. Yep, so is mine. Yep, you look up Jeff Coffin on iTunes and you can find all the stuff there.
else that you want to talk about um, putting out there? <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. You know, people ask me all the time. You know, what am I listening to? You know, what should I be listening to? And you know, what do you practice and all this stuff? And and like, let's talk about the practice thing at first. You know, I, I'm getting ready to do some some show uh, some clinics rather at the uh, Nashville Jazz Workshop on just these kinds of things, you know, how to listen better, you know, how to practice. And the thing is, what I practice is irrelevant. How I practice is what is important. You know, going through strengths and weaknesses, and I talked to this with the students also, make a list of five of your strengths and five of your weaknesses, and then figure out in the weaknesses how you're going to go about systematically going through those things. And map yourself out a little little amount of practice time, like map out an hour of practice time. Don't include your warm-up in there. You know, if it's 15 minutes of scales, you know, 15 minutes of two five patterns or patterns in general, like be real general about it and then get specific later. Writing down elements that you want in your playing as a, as a composer, also a friend of mine named Steve Grover, a wonderful, wonderful drummer, composer, pianist up in Maine, told me a long time ago, he was actually the first guy that won the Monk uh, Composers Competition. And he told me, he says, write down all the elements that you want to have in your composition. And that changed the way I composed. And I found that list of, like three or four years ago. It had know, 25 or 30 things in it. I'm reading down this thing. And I'm like, man, everything I wrote on here is in my compositions now. And I was stunned. I couldn't believe it, man. I really couldn't believe it. And that made a huge difference for me. You know, listening-wise, I say, listen to a lot of different stuff. I listen to a lot of world music, a lot of African music in particular, North African music, uh, stuff out of Mali and Senegal, um, Moroccan music, Arabic music, Indian music, like East Indian music, Gypsy music, Tarif de Hadouks, that group is just out of this world. There's all these Eastern European brass bands that I check out, uh, a lot of New Orleans stuff, obviously a lot of jazz, um, pop music, I think that, that groups like Radiohead and Tortoise and different groups like that are phenomenal. Betty Levette also, a really great soul singer. One of my absolute favorites, uh, Umu Sangare from Mali, uh, Afal Bokum, Philofin, people like that are just, there's so much great music out there, just great improvisational music and, and great composed music that's, you know, layers and layers upon layers of rhythm and, and it's just beautiful, it just knocks me over. You can really broaden your horizons by broadening your listening, whether it's yeah. North African music like you're talking about, or, or Celtic, or Absolutely. Hindu music. And go out and hear it. You know, like, go to a Hindu temple. You know, there's a Hindu temple in Nashville that I go to sometimes, and they have these amazing musicians from India, and you go, oh my God, you know, how do these people get to this level? You know, or if you're able to, to, to go to a WOMAD festival over in Europe somewhere, or, or, you know, go hear some African music, or, or flamenco music, or whatever, you know, getting... Getting to hear music that's indigenous to another culture that's even based on the language. Like if you listen to people speaking Hindi, a bunch of people speaking Hindi, it sounds like tabla drums. And if you hear a bunch of people speaking Spanish, you get the, the flamenco rhythms in there. And even, even in the south, you know, you hear people talking like this. Right, there's that drawl that's down there. And you think about the bottleneck slide guitar, you know, it's indigenous to the music. The language is indigenous and has so much to do with the music. You know, people, people know the song Kumbaya. If you think of those words with an African accent, kum sounds like come. Bai is by ya, here. Come by here, it's a prayer. Come, someone's crying, my lord, come by here. You know, all this kind of stuff. Someone's sleeping, my lord, come by here. Kumbaya. And so it's, you start to understand that, that the dialects that came into this country, the, the Africans and South Americans that were brought over to this country and enslaved, their music and their culture came with them. 
that was the one thing that they couldn't take away, man, was that music and that and that culture of music and the rhythm of, of uh, the culture and their language and their music. And that's some of the music that that knocks me out the most. You know, when I when I listen uh, like to prison work songs, or when I listen to these field recordings that Alan Lomax did, it's music that I call the music of necessity, like music that had to come out. And, and you hear it with the accents, you hear it with the culture. You listen to Haitian music, and there's some Haitian flute music that sounds like Mississippi fife and drum music. Like when I listen to Otha Turner, who died when he was 93 years old, and played Mississippi fife and drum music his whole life. And you, and you hear it and you go, oh my God, this is Haitian, but it's also African, but it's also like Afro-Cuban too, but it's New Orleans, it came up the Mississippi, and you start to understand that 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 New Orleans was, it is indeed the birthplace for all the music in America, basically. It becomes very profound after a while, very, very profound. all the stuff you've got going on. Glad that the Yamaha horns are a part of that. Yep, me too. Uh, me too. You know, you guys have been so supportive, man, and, and really, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. Really do. It's been uh, it's been great to, you know, not only use the use the products and, and really believe in the products, but to get to know you guys and the, the people in Grand Rapids also. You know, it's it, what a support network, man. It's been really fantastic, and I and I really, really, really appreciate it. Really do. Keep Thank up the you. good work. Thank you. <laughs> you too, right? You're the one doing all the work. Yeah, well, well you guys made it made it easy, so. <laughs>